Hello, guys, and welcome to episode six of the Whips Nation podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and our guest today is Whipstakes midfielder and 2020 PLL champion TJ Camizio. TJ talks to us about his approach to training in the offseason, growing up in Jersey, and much more. It's going to be a good one, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the video. Alright, happy May the 4th, Star Wars Day. We have TJ Camizio here. Uh, TJ, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Happy to be on. Happy to be on May the 4th. So, are you a Star Wars fan at all? Do you observe? Uh, I don't observe, but I've seen the uh, I've seen the movies before. It's been a little while, but I have seen them. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm 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 a bigger fan of the older ones than uh, than the new Star Wars movies. But you know, yeah, you, you have to watch. Uh, if you're gonna watch one movie today, what would it be uh, for Star Wars Day? Like, which movie? Jeez, oh, I don't even know them by name, so I'm not that big of a fan like i have seen like the older ones like where, the, where you can tell the graphics are definitely outdated but yeah if i had to i couldn't even name like which would be my favorite so i'm not a very big fan i guess so if you're not a fan of star wars i mean like what what kind of movies are you, uh, are you watching i am a pretty big movie guy honestly okay. um yeah. but just not star wars i guess my favorite um one of my favorite i guess like series not necessarily that any of them are my favorite movie, but my favorite series might be The Hunger Games. I love. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a big Hunger Games fan, but in terms of like individual movies, my favorite might be like. It's a mix of like sports ones and like Remember the Titans is one of my favorites. Oh, Friday so Night good. Lights yeah. and Miracle are like top three, but I also love like The Breakfast Club, like an older one, um, is one of my favorites. So probably one of those four. Nice. Yeah, I, I love sports movies, too. Um, I, I always watch, you know, the, the Mighty Ducks movies when I was a kid. Yeah. And then we always watch Miracle on the, you know, the bus rides to, to, to away exactly. games and everything. Yeah, I was a hockey player when I was little. So, like, that's what we would watch at tournaments and stuff when the whole team would be getting together between games. That's that's awesome. And then, like, of course, someone's got to make a joke at the, uh, you know, on the line again, 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 <laughs> you know, because yeah, no, I don't know if you had any coaches, if you had any coaches growing up, that was just like a total crazy guy on uh, conditioning. Yeah, um, I've had a few. Really? Yeah. Some, sometimes they're your favorite coaches though. Obviously not when they're, not when they're having you get to the end line and run sprints all the time, but you know, some of those guys, you know, they push you hard, but then you get a lot better. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's for the better. And looking back, like you always remember those moments, like with your, you know, with your teammates, you know, running those, running those suicides or running seventies or seventeens or like whatever kind of conditioning that you did. Um, how, how much, is, is there any team conditioning that you guys do or as, as, as the whip snakes, or do you guys just have so much like game planning to, to input to your plans that you don't really have time for that? So, I mean, last year in Utah, and that was my first year and we didn't really like do conditioning when we were out there um yeah. we we i mean you get up and down a lot over the course of practice so right. you're, you're conditioning like disguised in drills and stuff but we weren't it wasn't like we were just getting on the end line and and running i mean maybe the part of that is because we do have a limited amount of time on the field together so there's more important stuff that we got to try to hammer out but um i think kind of everyone's pretty 
you know, if you're still playing now, like at this level, you're kind of on top of that stuff on your own. So like most guys are, are showing up in shape. I don't know that we really need to be spending some of that, the few hours a week we get on the field together for practice on conditioning. Gotcha. So what are your expectations for camp? Uh, the PLL announced today that you guys would be uh, training at Gillette. Um, what are your expectations this year? How do you think it differs from last year, um, you know, with respect to the preseason uh, camp? Yeah, so, I mean, I think last year, like, camp, it was about the same timeline. Like, camp was, like, a week long last year, but we had, you know, right on the heels of that one-week camp, we had the the entire season, even though it was only, like, six games or whatever it was. You know, there was no break. We were going, you know, finishing camp on a Friday and playing the first game Saturday, and then, you know, you, you don't get a break maybe a day or two. I think this week, or this year, I should say, yeah. I think it's going to be – a little more like they're not going to have to hold back as much because you know we got that full week and then you have one game at the end of the week but then you get the week off and it's back to like a normal summer schedule so i mean i think to some extent you're going to have to save your legs a little bit for that first weekend game but i think more so this year than last year um guys are going to be able to get after a little bit more get up and down a little bit more they're not going to have to save their legs as much because you know you just got that one game at the end of it and then you get that week off uh, and back to the normal summer schedule so this year with um, with the MLL merger and then obviously the super talented incoming college draft class, um, do you see sort of camp as almost like a trial, like a proving ground for a lot of those guys to see, you know, who can make that, that roster at the end of the week? How hard do you think guys are going to go in those first three days to sort of just show, you know, the coaching staff what they have? Yeah, definitely. I think it not just for the college guys and the MLL guys, I think for like pretty much everyone there yep it's a it's a tryout um like you said the this college draft class is super talented and you know the mll guys are really really good i mean i I, that was my first year out of college i played uh in the mll before coming over so i know like firsthand how good all those guys are so um i think it's going to be it's definitely going to be competitive like i said i don't think it's just going to be the mll and college guys trying to win spots i think Mm -hmm. it's going to be like the current team that carried over trying to keep their spot so i think it's definitely going to be competitive camp it's going to be a lot of fun yeah so one of those guys coming in you're very familiar with um that's uh connor kirst right Mm -hmm. so yeah we um he's at Rutgers now um doing his fifth year but like i don't think everyone really realizes that this is his first year at Rutgers. like he did his Mm -hmm. first like his full four years of undergrad at villanova And we played together for three years at Villanova. But even before that, I mean, we live like less than 10 minutes away from each other. We were the same grade in high school, played all four grades in high school together. And then when I went to Villanova for my freshman year, he PG'd and then came and joined me the next year. So we played, you know, like seven or eight of the last 10 years or whatever that we've been playing together. So uh, I was fired up when we picked him up. I'm excited to get to play with him again. That's awesome. Did he? Uh, did you reach out to him, or did he reach out to you when he got drafted? Uh, it was both. I mean, we okay. had been talking like the whole week leading up to it, and yeah. even before that, you know, he he got off to a pretty hot start this season, and I, I texted him a couple times telling him he might need to cool off a little bit so he can <laughs> slide down to seven in the draft. But um, yeah, I Stags and I talked a little bit about it last year because, I mean, I was trying to tell Stags that we should take a look at him. But Stags had said, like, we can't pick him up if he's going to go back to school. So I knew he was on Stags' radar to begin with. And Stags is a Jersey guy, so he knew yeah. who he was 
already. Um, and then, I mean, there wasn't much of a sales job that needed to be done. You watched him play this year. Um, oh yeah, say no he, more. He, yeah. Yeah. So you didn't. I didn't have to say much. Um, but when he got picked, I was kind of watching it. Like I, I thought picks one through four were were pretty set in stone. Like I had a pretty good idea. I think everyone had a pretty good idea that Teat and Sowers in some order we're going to go one and two overall yeah. I had a feeling that um the redwoods were going to go td at four so i was just kind of hoping that he wouldn't go five or six to um, well i thought i thought that uh td was going to go three the giles pick totally shocked me at three well i just knew like i thought i, I thought i could have seen the same thing happening i just knew like the redwoods had a pretty like they seemed like they were all in on going after a face-off guy. So I wasn't yeah. as worried about the Redwoods taking him. It was like the five, six spot where I was a little nervous. And when he fell there, I kind of texted him like, you know, like the eyes emoji, like this <laughs> might happen. Like I couldn't believe he was still there. And then when it got to seven and he hadn't been picked yet, I was just like, I had a good feeling about it. And then kind of simultaneously texted each other um, when it happened. But yeah, it was, it was very exciting for sure. So give me your favorite Connor Kerr story. Whether that be in high school, college, like, what's your favorite memory? A lot. I don't know how many are appropriate <laughs> to say on the uh, on the podcast, but I mean, there's been a lot. He, like I said, we went to high school and college together. So he's one of my best friends, um, and you know, a lot of good on the field, off the field stories. But I don't know how many of them are PG to share on here. But um, he's he's a character. He's going to be a, a good addition to the locker room for sure. So the locker room seems like a really important part of, you know, being on the whip snakes. Your guys' locker room was just like totally in sync last year. Um, what was kind of your role in the locker room? And what that could be, you know, before the game, you know, during the game, like what's your role there? I mean, I think like as a new guy coming into the team, like mm -hmm. you don't have like a set in stone role. And I, it wasn't just me. I, you know, it was me, Zed from the entry draft. We had you know, some new pieces that hadn't played the year before, like Brad Smith and Max Tuttle. Like, so yeah. it was, there was a couple guys coming in who, and as like a young guy, you just, you're not saying much. Like you just kind of like try to play hard on the field and like figure out what your, your role is going to be. Like we have like a pretty clear, you know, everyone has a voice in the locker room, but like there's pretty clear, like veteran leadership on our team. Um, with guys like Jake Bernhardt and Mike Earhart at the defensive end of the field. Um, so just kind of fall in line behind those guys, try to like learn and soak up as much as you can from the uh, from the older, more veteran guys in the room um, and just play hard on the field. I mean, I, I don't know that there's like set roles like that. It's kind of like you said, it's, we do have a, gr a great yeah. locker room and they made the, the new guys feel very comfortable right away. So it wasn't too much of like an acclimation process. But yeah, I mean, just when you're coming in new, just you know, just doing what you can to help out and trying to find out where you can help out and where you can fit in. So I know Dunn is super excited to have the fans back in the stands this year. Do you pretty much share that sentiment? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I haven't played a PLL game with fans yet. Um, wow. I In the MLL, we had some good turnouts like Denver and Chesapeake would get some some good turnouts um but you know i watched a lot of those pll games on tv especially the playoffs and the uh, the atmospheres looked electric so yeah. i'm super super excited to see what kind of turnouts um we get at the games this year because like as an athlete you play your whole entire career you know with fans and it's just something that you know you're used to now dunn said that they pumped in some artificial fan noise 
to just sort of is that more for the athletes do you think or more for the cod the tv coverage uh maybe a little bit of both i honestly yeah. don't know what it sounded like uh on the tv broadcast mm -hmm. I, I did i saw the games afterwards but i can't really remember i know you could hear like the goal horn but yeah. um there was definitely like some music going throughout the game and like crowd noise going throughout the game but like you almost just like you don't even really like hear it until yeah, it's like, like white noise timeout. yeah yeah until like a timeout or something you don't like really like fully understand like if there's music going on noise in the background but i think it was just to kind of make it feel a little bit more normal for the players um which was nice because it wasn't just like dead silent the whole time um but like I said, I don't think it's made too much of a difference. Once you get going, you just kind of don't really realize that it's going on around you. So looking at uh, the schedule for this upcoming year, are there any PLL weekend locations that um, that sort of, you know, jump off the page a little bit like, man, I'm like, super excited to play, you know, at Homewood or here or there. Are there any of those locations that you're really excited to play at? Yeah, so um I'm from New Jersey, so the closest yeah. one to me is Hofstra, and I've played, wow. I've played at Hofstra, like every level. Like I played youth tournaments there. We played Hofstra at Hofstra in college, in the MLL. We played against the Lizards there, and I think that's one of the best lacrosse stadiums there is. So, I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure there'll be a great turnout. Uh, it's Fourth of July weekend, and then the other one I guess I would have to say is, I actually watched the game the last time they played at. Homewood against I think it was the Atlas, Atlas a couple yep. years ago yep. and I know like this one's a Friday night um, at Homewood and I've never played at Hopkins before so um, that would be one that I'm looking forward to too. That was probably my second favorite game of the 2019 season was that Homewood game against Atlas. That was just... Yeah it was awesome. There was such a great crowd there. Uh, it looked really really cool. Yeah and you were you, you said you were there. I, no, I watched it like I, oh. uh, my computer TV, wherever I was oh, okay. watching it. But that was one of the games that I was able to tune in for live that summer. And it, you could just tell like the environment there seemed like it was it was it seemed like a good time. Oh, dude, we could feel that energy, you know, through the through the computer screen. Just imagine exactly, being yeah. there, like, oh, man. No, well, yeah, you could tell. And it's such like a, it's not too big of a stadium so that. Um, you know, you get enough guys in there, you could fill that thing, pack it up and, uh, you know, make it look like a really, really, really good atmosphere. Um, yeah, no, that's the tough part about like NFL stadiums is that yeah. even when there's a lot of people, they feel empty, but yeah. places like that, like Homewood or Hofstra, like they feel full when there's a good amount of fans in there. So yes. those are cool places to play. Yeah. It's kind of like an intimate, uh, sort of environment. It's really cool. Definitely. Um, Definitely. so what's. I mean, I'm going to give you a chance to, to brag to brag about yourself a little bit here. Um, yeah. Coming into this year, what's like your like most confident, you know, asset about your playing style that you think that's uh, going to help out the whips this season? Like, have you been working on anything from last year? Uh, I mean, nothing like new this year versus mm -hmm. any other year. I mean, I feel like in terms of like what I work on in the off season um between seasons has been pretty consistent from the time i was in college to now just trying to keep like a good mix of you know being in the weight room and being on the field and trying to keep my stick in my hands um i feel like it's worked for me in the past like the kind of stuff that i've been doing so nothing too crazy like not trying to 
trying to change up too much, just trying to make sure I show up in good shape with my with my legs underneath me and, and ready to kind of hit the ground running. So how long does it take uh, for you to get into lacrosse shape? Because I know anybody can, you know, go run and get in shape, but I think playing shape's just something totally different. How long does it take for you guys to sort of, you know, find your stride and get into lacrosse shape? Yeah, I agree, totally different. Um, and I, I honestly, like, I've been a big, I've always thought this since I was like a freshman in college, like yeah. no matter how much I run in the summer or in the off season, like that first practice when you were getting dodged on or getting up and down the field um, and there's some contact involved, like you're always more sore. Like for some reason, I've just felt like yep. no matter what I do, like getting in game shape always takes like a little bit of playing uh, to get there. So, I mean, but I think like, if you show up in shape, like I think by the end of that first week, you're kind of back in the groove of like actually playing in like lacrosse movements and stuff, um, especially if we're playing every day. Um, I don't think it takes like too, too long to, to get back into it, but those yeah. first couple of days are definitely tough. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's why having such a good training camp is so important just so that, you know, you're not feeling that way after your first game. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's, you got to use it as a chance to get yourself ready to go in the game. So what are you doing to get ready right now? Like, is there a feel that you go at? Do you do any like shooting, agility stuff? Yeah. Um, so like, I think I would say like in the past, like months leading up to it, I was like trying to be like focused more like in the weight room. Uh, like working out a little bit more and as we get closer and closer to the season it's been a little more shift like a little bit more away from that to more time like on the field uh, with my stick in my hands trying to like I said get my legs back underneath me working on like yeah. some footwork and conditioning um, there's a bunch of fields like around me here um, like my high school is like only 10 minutes away but there's a a facility like 10 15 minutes away from me that i've been going to with a couple other pll guys the only other whip snakes guys brad smith um who grew up around me too uh, we get a group of like four or five guys who go to this like indoor field slash weight room um, to throw the ball around shoot run footwork lift like whatever we're kind of feeling that day um so it's been good to have to be able to do that with some other guys because it's one thing to do it by yourself like it's not as easy to push yourself but when when you're around a good group uh, of guys, it, it definitely makes it a little bit easier to get after it. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It's so much harder to train on your own um, than if you have a good group of guys to, to come and train with. Tell me, is Brad's mustache as um, amazing as it is on TV, like in person, or is it better? Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's longer now. I, I haven't really? seen him in like a, it's been like a week, I think, or a week and a half since, since he was last there. Mm -hmm. um, but last time he was there, he still had it. I think it was longer than Utah, but uh, I don't know if he's planning to keep it for this summer or not. Um, I feel like I he's know, got to. He'd be a good guest to have on with this. The mustache would look good on the uh, on the camera, but I don't know. He was talking about maybe shaving it. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to keep it or not. We'll, we'll see. That's something to look forward to. So um, as uh, as a Duke alum, do you do you ever ask him about you know if he's uh, if he's going to be rooting on his squad this year? Or what is what his opinions are on the the current Duke team? He, they, he they look pretty good. He is he is rooting them on. The last time we yeah. were there, they had just beaten one of those teams like Notre Dame or UNC on a Thursday night, yeah. um, and he was talking about it the day before because you know him and I like our grade we're still like not that far removed from it. So a lot of right. the guys on the team he's played with, so he's still in touch with a lot of those guys. Um, and that, I mean they're 
they're having a great year. I'm, I'm sure they're going to make a push for make a run here at the end of the season, but we'll see what happens. So they just lost um, to North Carolina. They tried coming back. It was kind of like a late, a late push. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get it done. If you were to rank the top five teams in college across, uh, where would you rank them right now after this past week? I know it's hard. I don't know. I feel like, um, I mean, I still think Duke and North Carolina are, are definitely like top five teams. I think like the, the question is, this year has been so weird with yeah. so many teams not playing out of conference. Like you watch Maryland play and they look like a machine, but like yeah. the best team they've played is like, is I think Rutgers is really good too. Um, Rutgers is really but like, good, It's yeah. tough when you, you, you know, love to see like Maryland playing these ACCs to see like, are they that much better than everyone else? Or are they right on par with the ACCs? I think it's gotta be some combination of Maryland, Duke, UNC, and like Notre Dame and, and Virginia. I think those are probably the top five-ish. I think like Rutgers right on the brink there. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's so hard to tell how talented and how good a team is um, based off, you know, just their competition. You know, even if their competition mm-hmm. plays another school, just because A beats B um, doesn't mean that they can also beat C type of thing. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, it's so that, much of it is matchup driven that yeah, it kind of depends definitely. on who. It uh, depends on who. I agree. I don't know how the the rankings or the selection committee like those are some tough decisions, <laughs> but I, I agree. It kind of all depends on the day and teams match up better against certain guys and certain teams that it's hard to really compare. It is, and it can be on, it can be on a lot of different factors as well that can come to play. I mean, if a goalie's having an amazing game, um, that could totally turn the tide and change things. If you know a goalie's getting 19, 20 saves, mm-hmm. um, I know uh, I know Duke goalie kind of has like go up and down games, but I think so far he's had like one of the best years as as a Duke goalie that I've ever seen. He's been playing really well, Adler. Um, I think he's been getting like 15, you know, 16, 16 yeah, yeah. plus. Yeah, that's just crazy. You get a, like a hot goalie in May. I mean, yeah. When Virginia won it a couple of years ago, there I think their goalie was like the most outstanding player of the the Final Four. Like that, I mean, you get a hot goalie at the the playoffs. That could make you could definitely make a run on the heels of that. Oh, it makes all the difference. I mean, for you guys, like when Burnlor starts heating up, all he has to do, dude, if he gets like two, three solid saves in the first quarter. He could just ride that train like all the way through the game. Like he doesn't get phased at all. No, yeah, I mean that's that's every game for him. He's like yeah. he is one of the best, if not the best. Um, you know, that's just he's solid as it gets back there. You know, he's, I mean, the whole the whole defense. You know, that they they're all just so good, and they on top of that they play so well together that they don't give up too many easy looks, but. If they do, when they do, it, it seems like more often than not, Kyle's there to bail, yeah, to bail us out. So he, he is definitely um, exactly what you're talking about there. How do you like playing aside, um, aside uh, Jared Bernhardt? Jake. Jake, sorry. No, yeah, you're good. Um, I, I was thinking about Maryland and then uh, how their current season's going and how yeah. Jared's absolutely going crazy. Oh my god, yeah, he's probably going to win the tournament on this year. But yeah, um, probably. I mean, Jake's like. Um, he was one of those guys I mentioned before is like a, a kind of a veteran leader on the yeah. team. Like he's a guy who playing the same position, like definitely helped me out. Like in the, the first couple of weeks we were there, just kind of like helping me understand stuff and more than not even so much just like walking me through stuff, but that's just someone that, you know, that I was constantly like trying to watch to see like 
what I can pick up on and do that he's doing and, and try to make sure I'm doing the same things. But in terms of like playing alongside him on the field, I mean, him and all the other guys, I mean, playing alongside like Mike Earhart too. Like, I think like one of the best things about our defense is like, like I said, how well they play together. Like they, everyone covers up so many of the, like the mistakes that other people might make, right. not that they're making many, but like, sometimes I'd think to myself, like after a game, like, oh, like I screwed this up or that up and I would go back and watch it. And I'm like, it didn't even look that bad. Like Mike right. or Dunn, like hedged and you like couldn't even notice. And it's just like, they're like all kind of like erasers for mistakes that you make on the field. So, I mean, I definitely feel fortunate to be part of that, um, part of that group. They're, they're an easy bunch to kind of hop in with and play with. What are some technical things that he showed you on the field that maybe you didn't know before that he's helped you out this uh, this past season? Yeah, I mean, not so much, I mean, Jake too, but all of them, like, I think a big difference for me um, and for everyone, I'm sure that like makes mm -hmm. the jump from like college to pro or then like coming over from the MLL to the PLL. And when you're like realizing like how good everybody is and right, like, yeah. there's no like one midi on them like out there at any time that you can kind of relax a little bit when you're covering like and when you're in college like pretty much everyone who's playing in the is playing that's playing professionally was like mm -hmm. one of the better players you know if not the best right. players on your teams and like you're you know for like for me personally in college like as a short stick like part of our like game plan was like we shouldn't have to slide to you like do what you have to do to win your one-on-one -on -one matchup and hopefully we won't have to slide like if you get beat we'll go very different this summer in terms of like there's no like real like egos playing defense it's just like kind of play within the system if you got to force a guy to a certain space on the field force him to that space on the field like and we'll slide to it like don't let guys roll back to the middle like stuff like that so kind of making sure that i erase like that past memory of just like just worry about um you know winning your matchup and don't have to make the other guys worry about sliding to you and just kind of worry more about like fitting in to the team defense because when when that group that we've got is all on the same page and, and playing well we're uh we're tough to beat how um how often do you guys uh change up your defensive scheme within like the, uh, the time of like a game like do you guys come out man man's not working okay let's switch to a zone let's switch to a hybrid like what's that what's that process look like for you and how often do you guys switch during the game so we would like before like coach murph does a great job yeah. uh, like the stags and coach Grady, like in terms of getting like a game plan ready for us and, and watching the other team and kind of deciding what we need to do and i know you and dunn talked about this about how we'll kind of try to decide like what we want to do in terms of what we want to take away from the other team yep. and what we want to give them and force them to do so we'll have that like predetermined going in and then you know, I, I don't think we didn't switch up too much. We pretty much we didn't really play zone at all. But like we would make like some like smaller adjustments in terms of like sliding to certain people or maybe mm -hmm. switching matchups. But like uh, we had a good enough group that I feel like even if something wasn't necessarily working like right away, like for the chaos game in the championship, for example, like we didn't change anything too drastic. We just kind of, you know, like in the huddles, it was like it. it the ball is going to start bouncing our way. Just like keep doing what we've been doing, like yep. stick to what we've been doing and we'll be all right. So there really wasn't much kind of jumping around between stuff on the fly. That's good. I mean, when you guys know you're good at something, you kind of just have to stick to it. Um, you know, stay the course, you know, if you will, um, because exactly, you're right. Yeah. The talent is so high. If you look at the talent of the PLL, 
especially after the MLL merger, this, this previous draft, you guys are the tip of the spear, the tip of the mm-hmm. tip. You know what I mean? Um, the best guys on you know high school played at those college teams and the best guys on those college teams now play in the PLL. And you guys are going up against that level of talent every single week. So Dunn was absolutely correct. He's like, you, you just have to figure out what they like to do and try to limit that as like much as you can. And then, you know, hope the offense delivers and puts in goals. So that's uh, exactly now they're, they're the other teams. Like you're going to get scored on like the, the yeah. best players in the world, like stuff's not going to work all the time. But like you said, just kind of stay in the course and, yep. and doing what we talked about doing. And, and in the end for us, that worked out more times than not. Um. Who uh, who is the most who is the most difficult player to game plan for this past year? Jeez, oh, there's a lot. I, I mean, know it's hard. I think like the most in terms of when we played a team, yeah, and like the most singular focus we put on one player, I would say like probably like Schreiber and the Archers, like okay. just like knowing that anytime he had the ball, like we need to be like super like ready to to be ready to help him if need be or ready to, to take away his strengths. But I mean, he's great with both hands. He can shoot, he can pass, um, and he can really hurt you. And like, he's going to get his, like you said, he's just kind of, you got to try to limit him a little bit. Um, but he was one that in terms of like going to the game and talking about like one player, like more mm-hmm. than usual, like he's one that definitely demands, you know, as much, if not more respect than anybody that we're yeah. going to game plan for. Yeah, you got to slide quick, and he really likes those high wing, uh, high wing dodges, like just sweeps across the middle. Yeah, with and his, he's uh, fast. And he so, is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he is really, really good. So what's so? How do you stop that? You just slide early. Um, you know, we tried to. I mean, we had Mike on him, so like, yeah, that's better start than most teams have. Yep. <laughs> um, when, when you can throw Earhart out there and 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 have them go one on one, but just you know, try to. If, they would do a lot of two-man game stuff for him and just try to like go out and put pressure on him, not let him sweep easily, like try yep. to make contact or turn him back. Um, but, you know, I think Mike did a great job on him when we when we did play him and anyone who was on him, Brett or any of the other polls. But, um, yeah, you know, just like when we talked about take away the middle, stuff like that, like, and then just go out there and try to be physical with him. And Mike did well. And he, I don't think he heard us. I don't remember exactly, but I don't think he heard us too too bad when we played he definitely had some some points but i think we were able to kind of do enough to win that one perfect um well thank you so much tj for hopping on i uh, appreciate your time uh before we cut out if you could just share one thing non-lacrosse related with the whips fans i'd appreciate it um non-lacrosse related i'm a big um I'm from New Jersey, but I'm a big uh, Eagles fan, Philadelphia Eagles fan. Oh. My mom's from uh, my mom's from right outside Philly, and her brothers, some, like my uncles, are pretty crazy uh, Eagles fans. And they got to my brother and I when we were younger, and then going to school in Villanova, like outside of Philly, um, kind of was was awesome to be so close to them. And I was there when they won the Super Bowl. Like I was wow. at school when they won the Super Bowl, so that was awesome. Um, but yeah, it's fun fact i guess yeah no so how how do you feel about the draft because we just finished with that, that last week i mean better than recent years for like getting Devonte smith was awesome i didn't think he yeah. was gonna i was hoping he was gonna fall that far but i was pumped that they they traded up and got him before the giants because i was shocked the cowboys traded with them but definitely uh fired up to get him 
it was it was such a crazy draft, man, with teams moving up and a lot of quarterbacks taken in the first yeah, round. A so lot, a lot that, that probably, you know, helped contribute uh, letting you guys get Devontae. So. No, it definitely did, but we'll take it. We'll take it. I know Rambo's a big with uh, a big uh, Eagles fan, too. He is. Yeah, I think Bryce Young also. He's a South Jersey guy. So there's a couple. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, where can people find you on socials? Um, I'm just at TJ Camizio, um, no spaces on both Instagram and Twitter. So pretty simple there. Yeah. Making it easy. Well, yep. thank you again, TJ. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Perfect. If you made it here to the end of the video, go ahead and comment down below your favorite part of the interview. And thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please go hit that like button for the YouTube algorithm and subscribe for more Whipsnakes content.